Balancing Point Podcast. This is episode 34. Welcome to the Balancing Point Podcast, where we invite you to join us on a journey into the amazing world of professional ballet. Our guests will provide you with an inside peek into this exclusive world while offering motivation and inspiration on how to not only succeed in dance, but also in life. And now, your host, Kimberly Falco. Hello and welcome to Balancing Point Podcast. My name is Kimberly Falker and I really appreciate you joining me today. Now today I'm going to be launching my new series which is going to cover the next two weeks and it's called Women in Choreography and it's going to be really exciting, especially it's been exciting for me because I really don't know anything about choreography. So as I've interviewed these amazing women, I've learned so much and they've, they've really inspired me and um, I think you'll be fascinated as well their stories and their passion for what they do is just outstanding and not only are each of them articulate but their personal stories on how they discovered or uncovered their gifts as choreographers is really quite amazing and I think that it will inspire anybody that's listening to kind of seek out and find what you really really are passionate about or what you have a natural gift to do. And if you haven't been listening to my episodes, especially over the last two weeks, I did a series on all things auditions. So if you happen to be going into any sort of audition over the next whatever period of time, if you're listening to this today or six months from now, go back and listen to some of those episodes because those guests gave some amazing tips and pieces of advice on how to approach auditions and how to kind of do well in them. But for for the next two weeks, I will be featuring women who are choreographers. And my first guest is Jessica Lang. And I'm going to be featuring her today and Wednesday because she does have such an amazing story and and history to her um, journey as a choreographer. Today, you'll be hearing about her journey in dance and kind of what led her to her discovery as a choreographer. And then on Wednesday, we'll really dive deep into... Once she discovered choreography, what she did with it and how she created her own company and some of the successes that she's had since then. And if you haven't heard of Jessica Lang, or if you are in the dance world, you probably have heard of her because she really is making a huge name for herself as one of the up-and-coming choreographers of our time. And um, you're going to hear today about her journey from Pennsylvania to stepped on Broadway to getting a degree at Juilliard and then on Wednesday I'll talk more about her company that she's created and what she's got going on from that point. So let me get started with today's episode and then be sure to tune in again on Wednesday and then on Wednesday I'll share with you who's coming up on Friday which is another amazingly inspirational choreographer. So let's get started. All right. Well, Jessica, I've shared a little bit about you, but can you share more about yourself and your personal journey in dance and what led you into choreography? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I started like uh, most little girls. I started dancing at the age of three and uh, I, I grew up outside the Philadelphia area and I my training was at a local dancing school with tap, jazz and ballet. And then uh my mom had an instinct that uh, she knew that we should go to a ballet school that had a really good nutcracker 
as well. So that Nutcracker was Pennsylvania Ballet. So my, ah. I have an older sister who was really the, the engine behind it all. Um, she really wanted to drive. And I um, just went along. <laughs> she, she, really, she really wanted to dance. And I really just went along for the ride. And, uh, and, and, and so my mom, at a very young age, my mom started carting us, you know, uh, back and forth between these different schools um, that were an hour from our home. Um, wow. And we were in the Nutcracker. My first time in the Nutcracker, I was six at Pennsylvania Ballet. And, um, and, and, and while the seed was being planted, I had no idea. I mean, you just don't, you're just a child. You have no idea that this is going to be or could be what you become when you grow up. You know, it just seemed like, oh, no, you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? not a dancer. (laughs) This is just what I do after I go to school. And it's a hobby. And basically, when I was about um, 14, something switched in me, 14, 15. At that point, I, I had been focused a lot on science and um, flying, and I wanted to be a pilot. And uh, I just happened um, at this local dancing school, we were part of competitions back in the day when there were two or three competitions. And right. um, yeah, and uh, there was a workshop associated with this competition. And I met a teacher, Joe Lantieri, who actually now runs New York City Dance Alliance. But back then, he, he, that did not exist yet. And Joe, something happened to me in that class. And he said to me afterwards, you know, you're really talented. You should come take my class in New York sometime. And that like planted, that that was it. That I have a specific memory of him saying that to me. Mm-hmm. And I walked out and got in the car with my parents and said, I want to dance and I want to quit school. And I'm moving to to New York. <laughs> oh my and my mother was like, they were silent. My parents were silent. And um, it wasn't a no. It was just like, okay, how are we going to make this happen? But yeah, school was a very um, important part of my upbringing. And I knew college was on their radar. And um, they weren't going to let that slip away from me. But they were willing to take this new journey with me. And my parents worked really hard to figure out, you know, do we move to New York? Do we enroll you in a performing arts high school in New York? Do we enroll you in Catholic school, etc. And um, what ended up happening was my parents went into my public high school in Pennsylvania and said, we have this talented daughter and what do we do with her? And, and the um, guidance counselor said, you know, there's a, there's a program that's called career exploration and we can let her out at noon. Um, no one's ever taken advantage of this, but we can put her into like, we can enroll her, um, in all the courses she needs to graduate from high school and she can leave school every day at noon. And my parents decided this was the best option. Um, and my, they committed themselves to driving me every day to New York. My mom did. How far away was it for you guys? Two hours. Oh my each way so wow. but like I said since the age of like three I was driving an hour Good to my point. dancing yeah. school so I just kind of grew up in the car that was not anything above and beyond or unusual it was unusual that I had a very hard-working uh you know mother who was working 
nights and days as a nurse um, because at this point my sister was going to college and and uh, they knew that I was that was my journey too or they thought so they needed to you know save up more money so my mom was now did your sister pursue the dance she did she actually did and she was very successful she had a career on Broadway with cats in the national tour and she was a rocket for 10 years so yeah where'd she go to college then Point Park University okay okay yeah great school um, and, and it was actually her going to school that kind of opened me, continued my education in like, oh, well, this is what, this is what it means to go to school for dance. This is, um, this is what you get at a university. And it was really the first time I, I laid eyes on modern dance. And, um, I became truly inspired every time I would go to see her concerts, um, at school. And, um, I think that is where, the idea of choreography mm-hmm. was planted in my mind because up until then I thought you just rearrange steps and put them in different orders, but it was the same steps. I had no idea that anything could be dance. Um, but why- so when you would drive into New York, what, mm-hmm. um, where would you go to take classes? So um, it was to steps, just to steps okay. on Broadway, you know, an open class, but that's where Joe taught. And um, so, yeah, so we would just, drive and I would go and take his class and uh, do my homework at a diner across the street and we'd get in the car and drive home and um, yeah it was kind of amazing yeah yeah and I bet those are really special times with your mom too because I know that when I we don't certainly have the commute that you do but I I do value the commute just because it seems to have it's you're, you're stuck in a car and that's where kind of some of the natural discussions come from absolutely absolutely and i i mean i can't tell you how many times we had to like after class go run and buy the cd that i danced to in that class and then you know that you know back when cds were so fancy and you know check tapes yeah exactly well and our car had a cd i'm just joking fancy it was like oh my god we have to play this and i would play it all the way home and tell my mom all about it and you know you're just so open of course and um, yeah, she truly, my dad would do the weekend shifts, um, but my mom would do the, the weekdays and that would be, I mean, I have like a super mom too, that she was working nights as an ER nurse and she would switch, she'd go 11 to seven, um, in the ER and then switch hospitals and go at seven thirty to 12, um, yes. at an, in an OR. And Why would different, she sleep? Right. Well, when, <laughs> then I would walk across the street from my high school because her hospital was across the street. And we get in the car and drive two hours. And we'd park always in the same street because, you know, I was still somewhat of a child or a kid. And so she always wanted me to know where she was. And so she'd wait for a spot to open up on 75th between Amsterdam and Broadway. And we got to know all of the shop owners on that street. And she would park and go to sleep in the car. Oh my goodness. Wow. She is a super mom. <laughs> she really is. And uh, yeah, so it was Joe who was, um, you know, I was just taking his class. I was truly uh, just loving to dance at that point. I, I loved moving. I loved everything about it. I, I love New York. I love the atmosphere. Um, and it was he who said to my mom and I, you know, where are you planning to go to college? And I, you know, my sister had just done everything before me. And so that was always, you know, an option or, you know, let's follow in her footsteps. And Joe said, you know, how about Juilliard? Have you ever thought about Juilliard? And he is the, 
he is the jazz teacher at Juilliard. That's okay. that's one of the electives. And my mom was like, Juilliard? I had no idea what Juilliard was. I was just like, oh, I thought it was a music school and whatever. And um, had no idea it was so hard to get into. Um, he took me to... Which is probably a good thing, huh? <laughs> it was. I No, I actually say in almost every interview that I had like a naive confidence um, just walking in and, and doing that audition, having having no worry, just like, oh, you only take 12 girls? Well, I can get in. Like, uh, you know, my focus about college was always about SATs. And because I had um, taken this journey of, of, of trying this career exploration program at school, I had to, in order to fit in all of my required courses, I there were only certain levels of, you know, science or math. I, I, I know I was in AP history and I know I was in AP math, but I had to go down to like, um, you know, a lower level for science. And that really scared my parents because they were like, oh gosh, if she goes back into wanting to go to college for science and she doesn't have, you know, the right, the right classes, the right courses, she's not going to get into a good school. So everything to me was always based around college equals getting into, uh, you know, a, you have to have good grades. And Right, and which it, is the the normal thought process. It truly is. That's what we uh, drill into our kids. It, and... Exactly, and it's a natural <laughs> thing. But you did. I didn't know that Juilliard. When I found out that they didn't take SAT scores, I was like, You're like, oh, woohoo! It's on my talent alone. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> yeah, I was. I really was like, I'll get in there because you're not. You're not you're not looking at my classes, like you're not looking at science, like, do I have an A, you know, and, and, wow. and I hear it's quite a grueling audition process. It is. I mean, I don't want to do it again now. <laughs> but, but again, you know, <laughs> you know, too much. Exactly. Exactly. So that was it. I ended up getting into Juilliard. And, you know, how was that experience? Amazing. Amazing. I had I had a really wonderful education there. Um, you know, you 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 go there and you think I'm going to dance, but you don't know what that means. And then all of a sudden you're like living uh, or surrounded by so much talent, not just dancers, but like musicians and opera singers and actors. And it's just like all of a sudden you're around like-minded people and, and uh, all the, all the pressures socially as a 18 year old kind of fall away because everybody wants to just, do their art. We have this common love. And yeah, you all speak the same language. Exactly. And, you know, it, you know, my roommate would play in the orchestra while we were doing the dance concert on stage. And it's just so amazing. Oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah. No, you look, you look into the pit and you're like, wow, we just had lunch together and you're my roommate and you're this. And, and they're, they're from all over the world too, right? Exactly. No, world, world, worldwide. I mean, actually, I feel like a, a going there as an American, it's a little bit more boring. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like you're, you're on the low end of the diversity there. It's like, you know, it's, it was a cultural experience and really, um, yeah, eye opening. And again, you go to Juilliard and I, you know, everybody, they, it's a conservatory and they train you to be a dancer. And while you are learning about other things such as you know, choreography, composition, music, you name it, you, you do get to taste a little bit of everything, but primarily they're training you to go be a dancer. Like that is what you have that understanding. And uh, so, so while I took um, composition, 
that's required of you at your freshman year. Um, I was turned off by it really quickly. I hated it and uh, and couldn't wait to be done that year. And the second year, you have the option of taking um, composition two or jazz. And I was like, I'm going to jazz because that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was my teacher, Joe. I was like, I'm going back there. That's, I want to go to him. This is great. And it was somewhere in that age um, while I was taking Joe's class that I started to think about what I was going to do my third year. And in your third year, you can take a different elective, but you can also try comp two again, composition two. And I was like, you know, there was this, um, woman who would walk the halls and you know again you're just you're unaware and you're in your world but um I would see her and uh she's really really I just had she had like a special aura around her and it ended up being Bessie Schoenberg who is the choreography guru of like dance of that time I mean she taught um taught I use that word she wouldn't like that word um she she like conducted or guided composition class to some people including you know Meredith Monk to Jerome Robbins to um Ron K Brown um Merce Cunningham like all the greats she really 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 uh she was a special special woman and I thought to myself you know I have to get over my fear of not liking that class Maybe she has a different approach. Um, so in my third year, I kind of decided I'm gonna I'm gonna go in and I wanna I wanna learn from Bessie. I want to see what she, why everybody, you know, studied under her. And it was actually in that class that that it, everything clicked for me. Really it's a different approach. It was yeah, it was really special. Um, and I kind of feel like it was meant to be because she did end up passing away my senior year so oh I was truly yeah she was in her 90s I forgot to mention that she was like in 92 93 how um, amazing to continue to do what you love your whole entire life right? <laughs> it's true it's true it's really kind of amazing um so I feel really like grateful that I I I knew enough to take that class and to get to you know uh appreciate and understand who she was before she was gone. And, um, but still after, after I took that class and I started to dream about, I had been dreaming about choreography probably my life, like getting in the car after my sister's concerts when I was 15, 16 and listening to the music and dreaming. I was choreographing. I just didn't know that's what it was. I couldn't put a word on it. Um, I didn't know. So in your dreaming of it, you would like visualize kind of Oh, yeah. An outcome. Oh, yeah. I would that's visualize funny. dance all the time. But I just didn't know that's what it was. Right. Um, and uh, so when I was in school and when I was a senior, I, you know, I, I did two works, two small works um, as a student. But Is that required of dance and not, majors? Not necessarily. Or no, I feel like. just something that you've got to do? Yeah. I, you have to take like the two levels of composition to be allowed to do like a big senior production your senior year. And you kind of know as you go through the journey of the four years, like who is interested in what. And, you know, you're either interested in choreography or you're not. And they don't force you. They force you the first year to see like are you because right like myself you don't know what it is so how do you know you're not interested without trying um so then we ended up 
you know, but I still was going to this conservatory and I knew that I had to dance. I mean, I just assumed it was like, that's why I'm here. This is what is expected of me. And I was good. I, I was a good dancer. And uh, I ended up getting into Twyla Tharp's company wow. before I graduated. Um, and I was doing like a double double day where I would do morning, my morning requirements at Juilliard, uh, dance class from nine to noon. And then I would run to Twyla's rehearsal from 12 to 6 and come back to Juilliard and do um, my uh, rehearsals at Juilliard from 6 to 9. And I guess your uh, experience in high school of doing the driving and doubling up kind of got you used to it. Absolutely. And it was like, oh, yeah, I know this. This sounds familiar. This is familiar. Yeah, I could drop my electives. Great. And you'll still pass me. Great. Like, I'll do my, like, required tests and that's it. And And it was great. But, you know, like, the, the curriculum and the teachers at Juilliard understand you go to Juilliard for your talent and, you know, right. whether or not you write that essay is not gonna, you know, make or break it. No, not at all. They're not, they're going to let you go. Um, they let it slide. So they did. And, and so I literally graduated from Juilliard on a Friday and was on a plane Saturday morning performing at the Spoleto Festival in South Carolina Saturday night with Twyla. That was my debut. And I understand how lucky that is, and I understand how rare that is. Um, right. And so, how I, did the um, auditioner how, come to be, or getting into her company? How did that? This is come a about? really interesting story because you know I think one of the things I often talk about um, whenever I can educating um, younger generations is you have you have dreams, but then you also have you have to be realistic. You just have to, and. I am not, while I was a really good dancer and a really good performer, I was really boring in class. I'll be the first one to admit <laughs> it because I was bored. And it's really funny because it, 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 the, everything, if you really listen and look at yourself, it really defines who you are later. If you, if you listen to yourself and I'm like, I, I'm not good at, I'm not good at, I'm not going to stand out in an open audition. I am... Uh, there's nothing different about my look. I don't have like striking features or I don't have like white blonde hair, or bright red hair. Like, you know, there's nothing that's going to be like, if we're all in a black leotard, I have nothing that makes me look different besides my talent. But, but you, you can... sometimes that doesn't show in one round. Absolutely. That's a that's, slow go. That's really frustrating and hard to understand to get any young dancer to understand. But it's absolutely the, the truth. So when I was um, in my junior year, I went to a couple auditions and I realized what artists, I, I noticed what they, what they noticed. And I was like, I'm right. never going to get noticed in this situation. I need to, um, I need to make myself known. And how I did it was, well, originally I wanted to go to Hubbard Street. Okay. In Chicago. That was where I thought I would re realistically could go. Um, and wanted to go. I really loved their rep and everything. So instead, I went to a Hubbard Street audition. I saw that it was a mass cattle call. There were 200 girls there. Oh, I saw that we didn't have numbers on. It was just like based on the color of your leotard and what impression you made on a very oh, simple ballet exercise. And I thought, I'm not going to stand out. I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to call and I'm going to say I'm coming to Chicago. And could I take company class? 
I wasn't going that's to Chicago. Smart. I just saved my money and flew myself to Chicago if they said, yes, you can. And that's exactly what right. happened. <laughs> and my director at Juilliard, you know, made a phone call and helped help that happen. But when I got to Chicago, um, the director then, Luke Conti, came and watched me in class and then had a conversation with me afterwards and said, you know, um, I, I, I'm starting a, some, a company called Hubbard Street 2. And um, would you like to join that? And is that something, you know, I'm putting a preliminary group together and would that be something you're interested in? Let's stay in touch. And I said, that's totally what I'm interested in. Anything, I'll prove myself to get into the main company. You know, the other part of it is it's all timing. Somebody has to leave. There is not an abundance of money that, that can. Right, and I've heard that on almost all of my interviews and trying to figure out what's that special difference. And sometimes it's, something that's totally out of your control, like a right place, right time, or you happen to be the right height versus somebody else, you know? Oh my gosh, 95% of the time. That's and that's, it. I mean, I think that's important for those that are pursuing this to know that you just keep on driving ahead because it's not a personal thing. It's just that that particular year, they need somebody that looks just like the principal dancer with blonde hair. You know? Right, right. And it's like, it's it's just, it's that. And one year somebody might leave and they need somebody and there, there might not be, I've seen it. There might not be the most talented dancer, but they get the job because the timing was right. And then the next year it's an incredibly talented dancer and there's no spot. And that person kind of can get a complex because it's like, well, wait, but you know, Susie got in the year before, but I got all the leads in the part, you know, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, you can't, but but it does if you really listen and you really think about yeah that's really great and i love the way that you kind of listened and figured it out for yourself but then also forged a different path by contacting them and not waiting for them you Absolutely. know oh poor me poor me i'm not getting it it's just all right i'm going to make this happen exactly and i can, in my way exactly and i knew that um if i did that he would have a a, a personal attachment to me not not right. not a not anything more than he knew my name but that was right a lot. but he but you would have the only way to stand out is to have something yeah, exactly <laughs> and sure enough it worked I mean I did fly back to Chicago uh, like a few months later and I took them the audition for the company and um again the spot was there was no there was no spot available but I kept getting uh I kept when I when I first went to the to the New York audition, I got cut right away. And then I flew there, took the class. He knew my name. We had a conversation. He asked me about if my interest was in Hubbard Street too. And then when there was another main company call, I went to show again, I'm interested. You know, I know I might not get a job because there might not be a job to get, but I'm here. And at the first, you know, cut, he was like, I'll keep Jessica and you in the blue and you in the pink. Oh and I saw people turn around. You were a person. You weren't anonymous. Yes. And I saw people like, how did he know you? And it's like, because wow. I did this. I, I spent $400 and, and, and I came here and I invested in that. That's um, a great story. And, and uh, then, then it became, you know... Um, it, it, it was a setback in the fact that after I went to that audition, he said to me, um, you know, we don't have a position in the main company for you, but if you're still interested in a Hubbard Street 2 position, 
Let's continue that thought process as I start to see who else says yes. And I said, okay. And then about two months later, I wrote to him and said, okay, it's coming. You know, we're in the spring now. Should I, um, you know, is there a contract? Are we serious? And he said, you know, Jessica, everyone I'm putting together for Hubbard Street 2 is, is, is not a graduate of a college. They're younger. They're like 18, 19. And you're 22 and you have a Juilliard, and I, a Juilliard degree and I'm afraid you're going to come here and not, it's not what you want. You want something more. And I, that was like, no, but I do want this. I, <laughs> I want to be wanted here. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, it was. It but was, he was being honest. He was. And, really neat. Yep. And I went. Because he could have totally, you know, used you for your talent and all of that, knowing that you're bigger than what probably it should be. Yeah. He was like, you know, you're getting in a van. You're doing mini demonstrations at schools. Like this is. You're, you're more than this. And it's more of like a trainee program. Yeah, really. exactly. And he was like, you're more than that. And I, and yet I don't have an apprenticeship or anything with the company. So you'd have to fly here and move here and wait. And I was like, good God, you know, my life just like <laughs> took a turn because I was, I had invested in myself to go there and invested in that company as my option. And I went to my director, Benjamin Harkarvey at Juilliard. And I said, you know, with tears streaming down my face, like, Aww. what am I supposed to do now? You know, now it's April and or March. What am I supposed to do? We, I graduate in two months. And, and he said, um, you know, let's write him a letter. I'll call him. Let's talk about this. But what was interesting was right before I went into that uh, meeting, I ran into a friend of mine who had graduated the year before, Sandy. And she had gotten into Twyla Tharp's company. Uh, and she, we were just like, oh, hey, how are you? And she said, oh, oh my gosh, Twyla's making a new work, and two of two of the women are injured, and so there's only four. There were twelve dancers in her company at this point, uh -huh. six and six, and she said two girls are out, and boy, are we exhausted. The four girls are just, you know, she she needs women, and then she kind of looked at me and was like, you should audition. We should get you in there, and I was like, right, you know still focused on Hubbard Street. And I went to my <laughs> meeting and I was like, Hubbard Street, Hubbard Street, Hubbard Street. And then I stood up from the meeting and I said, oh, Mr. Harkarvey, I ran into Sandy. And she <laughs> said that, you know, Toshko and Yi both just got injured. And she said that it might, they might be wanting a girl. And, and Mr. Harkarvey picked up the phone and called Twyla right there. Oh my goodness. And said, you need to see her. And he hung up the phone and said, you have a private audition on Wednesday you know, do what you can to get the job. And I went in and it was a 20 minute private call. And it's kind of funny because, and I got the job. And it's funny because after all of the thought, you know, that you have right. taking class every single day, how I ended up with a job is exactly how I should have. I needed to be right. seen one-on-one. Um, -on -one. I needed that time to prove myself. Um, and probably if you had not gone to your director, with all of the the work that you did for Hubbard Street and the heart and all of the proof that you really, really care and are passionate, he might not have believed in you to make that phone call. Exactly. You know, so what you did for Hubbard Street showed what you were made of and it impressed him to do something good for you at that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I had a job with Twyla and that's how it, it happened. 
So how long were you with her? Uh, just under two years. I say okay. two years, but it was about just under two years. Um, and it was a company that we did, um, you know, it was so great. I mean, you dance with Twyla Tharp. That's like the top of the top. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad resume builder. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And we were touring the world. You know, I was getting, I was so excited to go all across, oh my gosh, the globe. We went Australia, every continent, every continent we hit. And I bet it's a really neat audience that comes to the shows too. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, uh, it was, um, truly a, a gift. And, uh, about the first six months I was, in awe of the experience and then I the realization hit me that I was like oh this is it this is all we're gonna do like <laughs> it was I am not a repetitive person I am not somebody my sister the Rockette can do the same number yeah can do the same number Broadway can do the same number it's like you just keep doing the same show and I actually grow in panic when I start to repeat the same thing because I become bored and I start mm. to, you know, just my mind wanders. And it's you probably get into your head too much then. Absolutely. So I started to calm myself down. I would go into the studio and improvise. And I started oh, thinking neat. about choreography. And at the same time, um, I was talking to, I would go back to Benjamin Harkarby and I would ask him for some help and, you know, you know, I, what do I do? I'm a little bit, I, I can't use the word bored because you couldn't be bored with Twyla, but at the same time, the structure of a dance company, that company where we weren't making new rep every day, we weren't, it wasn't a rep company. Uh, we were only doing six pieces, traveling them around the world. So two different programs. And, um, I, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And, uh, so we ended up, um, I, I, he encouraged me. He said, you know, the work that you made in school is really good for, uh, ballet companies. If you're interested in choreography, why don't you start to, um, send out your stuff to several ballet companies? So I did. And I, I reached out, I didn't aim low. I was like, I'm going to write to who has a big second company? ABT two, Boston two, San Francisco Valley, like all the, the, the top, you know, right. six. Why of, not, right? <laughs> right. And ABT wrote me back, handwritten note from John Mia, wow. the director of ABT two, and said, when you're done with Twyla, let us know. I love your work. And, and you know, I, I became really unhappy um, with with dancing, and I was – I'm not a dancer. I can flat out say that now. I, it, I, it, that kind of schedule, taking care of yourself, your body, the class. Remember, I'm a boring class taker. I didn't enjoy class. And as a dancer, you have to, you know, love physically conditioning your body. And right, because it's so repetitive. It's like tuning a musical instrument oh, every day. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just... It, it just, it's a unique, unique sport. <laughs> it is exactly. And I, and it wasn't for me and I like the creative process so much more as a dancer. I loved being in the room and rehearsal and performing. I could, you know, I liked it, but then after a while, this repetitive thing just was not for me. And Twyla sat us down, um, at a certain point and had said, you know, the company, there was, there's a mismanagement of money and we have to, um, I need to take this job or, 
over here at New York City Valley. I'm going to take a commission and we have to lay you guys off for a few months. Um, or or would you guys think this is the end? Is this Have we run this course? And um, it was truly a really wonderful moment because I was sitting on her left and she asked, we've just sat in a circle and she started with the person on her right. And everyone said whether or not they wanted to continue. And when it got to me, I just said, I think I'm done. And so it was a really um, humane way of not needing to talk to her privately and say, I don't want to do this anymore. But I also didn't get fired, which was really, you know, <laughs> That's uh, big too. a fear. <laughs> yeah. And so it was just the end of something. And I was 24. And uh, you're already on to chapter three. <laughs> uh-huh. And I um and it was then that I contacted ABT2, and they commissioned me. They they commissioned me to do – well, it's funny because I also saw this ad in Dance Magazine for the first choreographic competition hosted by Hubbard Street. And that was literally like the February uh, when uh, I was done dancing with Twyla, and she – and I saw the ad, and it said, send in, you know, a videotape of your work that's 12 minutes or less. And I had my one videotape from that I did my senior production on, and I sent that in, and um, it it was selected. There were two kind s- of a weird full circle. Huh? It really was, and it was the same director, Lou Conti. He they were, you know, he was part of that selection process, and he he selected two uh, what do you call it? winners? I don't know if you put that word on it, but awardees, and it was myself and Robert Battle. And so that was the first time I choreographed anything outside of school. And then at the same time, ABT, I followed up with them and they said, oh, yeah, let's commission you to do a new work in September. And then Pennsylvania Ballet called ABT and said, do you have any young choreographers on the horizon? And ABT recommended me. And I never turned around. I just kept going. And people, and that's another weird full circle, too. It truly was. because. Yeah, my my life is a really weird full circle because Benjamin Harkarvey, who was my director at Juilliard, you know, giving me all this wonderful advice, picked up the phone and called Twyla. When I was that young dancer in the Nutcracker when I was six, he was the director of Pennsylvania Ballet. Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. That's wild. It's really weird. I mean, I remember him. He doesn't remember me. I mean, I was a child. But that voice and that man, he was a really impressionable person and... Yes. So, and then taking the workshop with Joe, and then him leading your whole path for so long without even probably realizing it. You know where we were going to go. Yeah. No. And that's what I say by like you have to follow your instincts because if you don't listen to yourself and you're not realistic, you know, you I I could have you know the job to get when I was a senior at school. Everybody wanted to get into David Parsons' company. Everyone and. And including myself, it was like, oh, I want to get into Parsons. Sure, that could be an option. Sure, sure, sure. I was not a Parsons dancer. I was not. And, and you you just can't make a square peg fit in a round hole. You just can't. And if you're if you're unrealistic with what you have to give and to offer, you're going to knock on the door and it's never going to open. It's just, and you're going to become frustrated and most likely you're going to leave the profession and go do something completely different because you feel scorned and hurt and um, such a, you know, in such a personal way. And And I think that's so hard for, to even envision. I mean, you happen to have 
Joe when you were 14 and you took that workshop and something clicked, you know, but I think that it's hard to to teach that to a young 14, 15, 16-year-old to listen because there's so much noise from peer pressure oh. and the directors of their program and, you know, just telling them who they should be. And I think it's really hard to know when you're young, but yet it's kind of critical time frame. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. And I, you know, I, I've been fortunate to teach at um, American Ballet Theater for the past, you know, since the... Uh, inception of the Jacqueline Kennedy Onassa School, and that's how you know that those are really um, fragile young spirits who have the goal of getting into ABT, as that's why they're going to school there. It's it's really written right on the wall, and I often just break the silence by talking to them about like you know, look, let's just sit down. Do you feel competitive against each other? You shouldn't. Like you each have their you're in the school, you made it this far, you have a value to this career if you want to. And I feel like what's your own magical little thing that's different, right? And let's talk about let's talk about what you're thinking, because I understand as a dancer, how much you compare yourself to others and how Mm -hmm. much competition there is. And, you know, I feel like if you're just honest and make them talk about it, they will start to understand it. And right, you know, and if you're truly good, guide you will guide the students um you know catch them when they can't get in when when it's not the timing for them to get in or they're not the right fit for a specific company you have to catch them and say but 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 why don't you go over here you know if you go to this school and and i and and i think that's a good teacher and that's it's really important because because that my way the way i became to be who i am um that was my journey. And somebody else would encourage you to, you know, oh, no, no, at 16, if you're fantastic, you have to go to a ballet company. That's true. Maybe, maybe if, like, if you're a fantastic for, um, let me rephrase that. Like, if you're a fantastic young dancer that shows a lot of um, potential to get into one of these high rate ballet companies, yeah, do you have to go there at 16 to make sure you're seen and get in the door early there because they do They, I feel like there's two chances to get into a company like American Ballet Theater. You either go and get in when you're 16 or you go somewhere else. You, you grow your resume and you might get in when you're 30 as a soloist or 24 as the core. Like you just because at 16 or 17 or 18, you don't get into American Ballet Theater. It doesn't mean that you'll never will, but, right. but it also means that you should, you know, go somewhere else and and really there's just a different path for everyone and you have to find it yeah so that's my history and thanks everyone for tuning in today to part one of jessica lang's interview and be sure to tune in on wednesday you really don't want to miss the rest of her journey and if you get a moment please stop by my website and check out her show notes page where you'll be able to read more about her upcoming projects and actually see some footage of her works, which really are quite amazing. And then while you're there, be sure to leave a comment or a question. I do check the website fairly frequently and love to hear from you. My audience is really amazingly growing so fast each day. It's, it's so exciting. In fact, um, at this point, I have over 6,000 listeners in over 60 countries. So if you get a moment, let me know where you found me and what you think of the show. So until Wednesday, have a great day.